Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Amen. You may take a seat. Thank you, Nolan, for leading us. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and grab that and turn to Psalm 127. Psalm 127 is where we're going to be tonight. Um, I don't think you guys want me to sing, so I'm going to pull this stuff off to the side. If you wanted, that would be quite a show, uh, but I won't torture you that way tonight. So anyway, if you guys have been with us for this series, um, it's been about four weeks. I think we are uh, talking about this idea of how to cope. Um, And if you've been following along through our sermons on the podcast or just coming, uh, you kind of know this um, just, but if it's your, or what the just of the series is, if it's your first time, we've been talking about how to cope in a healthy way. Uh, Because all of us cope um, with life in different ways, and some of them ways are not bad, they're not unhealthy, but over a long period of time, if you develop unhealthy habits, you can become pretty messed up, and you can do some things that you don't want to do and become a person you don't want to become. And so we've been talking about how to cope, how to cope through the Psalms of Ascent. And Christian, I thought, did a great job last week covering uh, Psalm 123, We're going to skip tonight to Psalm 127. We'll come back to 124 next week and then jump back. We'll kind of be all over the place. But tonight will be Psalm 127. And uh, we've been having the milk crates to illustrate what we've been doing. And I don't feel like face planting tonight, so um, I'm not going to do that. But what we've been saying is the Psalms of Ascent in Jerusalem... There are 14 steps that go up, and when the Pharisees or religious people, they would take one step, and as they would take a step, they would quote one of the Psalms because it was as if they were ascending to the presence of God. So they would take one step, and they would quote Psalm 121. In your Bibles, if you look down real quick, Psalm 121, or sorry, 120, verse 1, says, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he what? He answered me. Sweet. Someone's listening or reading. Then, Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the hills. What's the question? Where'd my help come from? Man. Okay, Psalm 122 is the one I said, is this about glad going to the house of the Lord? I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And last week, it's getting pretty sketch, Christian did Psalm 123. I wasn't paying attention. It's about mercy. Someone read verse 1. Ah, oh, yes. To you I lift up my eyes. Yes. Verse 1, 23. Now we're going to skip 124. Make sure. And 125. And 126. I don't think I can go any higher. No, he's coming to hold the ladder for me. Thank you. Um, which one was I at? Woo! 126. I can't go any higher. I'm coming down. I'm coming down. Give it up for David for helping me. I was getting a little bit nervous. So the person teaching next week will uh, go up another step, and so I would just come to see that. But tonight, in a sense, we are the, the way that these psalms should work is as we work through them and as you come and as you learn how to cope and as you are trying to fix your heart 
and your mind and your life really on the presence of God, you should hopefully grow more aware, more aware of your insignificance and how powerful God is. It's when you're approaching the presence of God. And this psalm tonight, I mean, out of all of them, this one is so timely. And there's certain things that God brings by his providence just for me. And I'm hoping that it helps you tonight. It's been really good, uh, at least for me this past week. But anyway, how many of you have ever done something and you just felt like you saw little results? Uh, Maybe you worked out for like an hour and you were like, where's the six pack? Right? And you're like, oh my gosh, like it's January 1, right? And you, and you don't get it, right? Um, or you've worked a whole summer, and then you got to the end of the summer, and you look in your bank account, and you're like, $30? Where did it go? Right? You feel like you worked, and you saw little results. Or for some of you, this will hurt. Uh, you invested into a relationship for two years. Two years. And man, she left you or he left you and broke your heart, you invested and you saw little results. Some of us in our lives, we will invest into things and we'll see little results or what you have done or what you have worked for seems like it doesn't really come, come back to help you. Maybe you have, uh, and this one is not a jab because this is awful, this is the worst. You'll spend four or five years getting a degree. Oh, and then you get the degree. And then you're like, crap, I got to get a job with that degree, but I hate the degree. And then you're like, was that degree for nothing? Yes, it's for nothing. It's a waste. You don't know where, what you're going to do now. You guys say amen if you agree with me, just to see. All right, sweet. We got some people in here who feel what I'm saying. So there is this idea when you are building a, a life, you're building a life, you're building a reputation, and you would like to see some results. It was a couple weeks ago, for whatever reason, this has happened to me, I think twice now. My wife and I will go to one of the county fairs, whether it's Summit County, Stark County, Portage County Fair, and when we went to the Portage County Fair, or no, it was uh, Summit County, for whatever reason, I always wear athletic shorts, because it was like 114 degrees out, and it was like Saturday at four, and I'm walking around, and I went in, I know I went in with $60 cash. I know I did. I knew that's what I had in my pocket. Well, there was a girl who was holding a baby, and she had picked a baby up, and she's trying to put the shoe on, and as she's putting the shoe on, she looks at me, and she's like, can you help me? Yeah, I got a kid too. I know, it's a grind. So I walk over, and there was a guy who bumped me in the process, and I got pickpocketed like that, man. I'm serious. I had, and, and I think they just got a 20, and then it was uh, this past weekend, I was at Stark County Fair, and I, there was like a dollar like flying around on the ground. I was like, that's mine. And my wife was like, when are you going to stop wearing athletic shorts to the fair? Just wear real clothes, and we'll be fine. We'll keep our money. But anyway, there's this aspect in life where you lose something that you feel like you have worked for. And here's what we're going to talk about tonight. We are going to talk about when you build versus when God builds. When you, when you build versus when God builds. Because there is this idea in your life that you are trying to build something. You're trying to hopefully build a reputation. Hopefully. You're trying to build, we'll talk about this tonight, a legacy. It doesn't just start when you're in your 30s. You, you're trying to build a reputation, a legacy, a career, a relationship, a job. You're trying to build these things. And here's where it gets tricky. There are things that only God can build. 
There's certain things only he can build. And when you mix them up, you can really get tripped up in who is responsible for the results and who is responsible for the failures. And you can carry a burden that you're supposed to be building something when, shoot, you can't even afford the wood to build what you need to build. Amen? A two-by-four is like $89 right now. A fact check, fact check someone, right? Yeah, you just you can't even buy anything right now. And so what you will do is, for all of us, we'll look into our future. You'll look into your future. And you will say, I can do this. I can do this. I'm competent. I've worked hard. I know what I'm doing. My parents are boneheads. They don't know anything. They've tried to tell me, amen. Uh, you, you feel, and, and you look at it and you say, I can build this. I got some experience, and, and, and that is what we're going to address tonight. So before I get to Psalm 127, because I have to, uh, in Ecclesiastes 2, um, the guy who wrote, so we're going to do some context here. Um, the guy who wrote Psalm 127, he, at the end of his life, shares his story. And when he does, he's sharing his testimony, and this is what he says. He says this, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks. Let's just, just think about that. You ever build a sandcastle? What'd that thing look like? This guy built parks. Like parks, put that in your mind. I wish we had the time to look at how significant these parks were. This wasn't your kind of park. This wasn't like a little dog fence, and, you know, like a little roof on the backyard. This was, this, was, this was significant. He says this, where was I? Parks. And planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools which to water the forest of growing trees. You've watered a garden before. This dude waters forests. How do you even do that? I mean, where is he getting this hose? Like, and who's, who's running around with this thing, right? So he is, he is killing it. And he says, I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers both men and women and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. <sighs> How much trouble do I want to get in tonight is always the question. Um, <laughs> uh, here, here's, what, here's what you need to know. He is describing his story. This guy had more money than you, more fame than you, more riches than you. He had more success than you'll ever touch. And he got to the end of his life. And like I've said many times, Solomon, he didn't go to Country Fest. Country Fest came to his house, right? He didn't, I mean, think about this. They were, they were paying him to come to perform for him. You go to see a comedian, comedians would come and pay to perform for him. This is how big this guy was. And he gets, he gets to the end of his life. If you read Ecclesiastes 2, he says, I, 14 times. I did this. I did this. I did this. And I did this. Myself, myself. Go to verse 9. And here's how he gets at the end. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. Man, what would you do to have that kind of coin? Just to have, I mean, whatever your eyes wanted, you're like, bam. 
Tesla, bam. House in Jackson, bam. Right? You're like, never work again, bam. Chipotle in my house, bam. I mean, you, yeah. Chipotle on Sunday, or uh, Chick-fil-A on Sundays, bam. Uh, right? You, um, just think about it. Whatever you wanted, anything you wanted. He says, I kept my heart, I kept from my heart no pleasure from my heart found pleasure in all toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, this is, so, this is tonight, all was vanity in a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. When you build a life apart from God, it's like building a sand castle on the beach waiting for the waves to crush it. It can't stand. You build something, you do a lot of work, you try to conquer, you try to make something great, and it'll get destroyed when you try to build a life and you don't allow God to build the life with you and for you. This idea is why I think tonight is important. We are, or we're coping because we're tired, and we're tired because we're building a life apart from God. You're coping just because you're freaking tired. Aren't you just feel some, some serious pressure to succeed, to conquer, to do more, to chase after it, to accomplish? You just feel this pressure, and you're like a valve that's about to bust. You're like a kinked hose that's gonna break. You're just, you feel all this, and you just become tired, and here's what happens, and we're going to talk about this tonight. When you get tired, the smallest things annoy you, not even in relationships, but with God. So you'll start to just blame God for random stuff. You're like taking groceries from the grocery store to the car, and it rains. Why? And it's like, really? It's supposed, we need the rain. Like, and it's just random stuff. You'll run out of gas, and you'll just, you'll explode. Because you're, you're coping because you're tired, and you're so tired because you're trying to accomplish something apart from God. God wants you to do this and me to do this. He wants us to allow him to be the center. It's not that God is opposed from working. Guess who created work? God, capital G God, the big, the big God upstairs. He, he created it. He called it good before the fall. It says in Colossians, whatever you do, work heartedly as to the Lord. So when you work for yourself, it'll always come up empty and vain. Always. And this is not just, I'm not, tonight is not just going to be about working a job, building a career. A lot of this will take a twist in the Psalms and it will talk more about relationships. It'll talk more about family. It'll talk more about with God and where God has you. So I think... I think a lot of us, and, and here's where the main idea tonight is coming from, we're trying to cope with the pretense or the projection that we are super strong. We're just really strong. We don't need any help. We don't want any help. Uh, someone offering help to us feels like an affront. We can't wave the white flag and say, hey, I, I need help. I need some serious help. So tonight is what we're going to talk about, four things in the Psalm 127, Psalm of Ascent, when you're coping with weakness or how to cope with weakness. 
Because weakness is something that all of us, no matter where you come from, no matter your walk of life, you will have to come to the reality of, I don't have it all together, and that is okay. I, I don't have a career decision. It's okay. I don't have my future spouse picked out. I thought I was going to be married kids by this point. It's okay. You feel like you need to be further along, have life more figured out, and be this thing done, this thing done, and, and you're super anxious. You're just freaking out. And, and God wants us, I think in this psalm, to realize our weakness and learn how to cope in realizing, man, I'm just not, not as smart as I thought I was. I'm just not as strong as I thought I was. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, what's, what's he say? Power is perfected in weakness. And the kicker is you can't experience power until you embrace weakness. You just can't. It's impossible. So anyway, hopefully I can finish this tonight. So when you cope with weakness, number one, when you cope with weakness, you let God build. You let God build. I heard one pen click, which means we got someone taking notes. I like it. Um, here's what it says. And this is, this is important because we just read Ecclesiastes 2. Solomon built the temple in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 6. You should read it. It talks about how he builds it, all the things that take place. And this is what he says. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. If you build a house... You build it in vain. If God builds the house, then there is success. And then he says this, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It says in Isaiah 62, 6, that God would set up in Jerusalem watchmen to watch over the city and to protect the city. And he, in 1 Kings 6, he would set up men who, or men and people who would build certain parts of the temple in order to build the temple and as they would approach God. Solomon is writing this as a reflection of really not doing what he should have done. He's saying, if the Lord builds the house and you build it, guess what? It's going to be in vain. Your entire life will be vanity. If you don't let God build your life, if you don't let him lay the foundation, lay the groundwork, grow deep roots in him, you'll get to 22, you'll get to 25, you'll get to 30, and you'll say, it was all for vanity. That was for me. That wasn't for God. And then he says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. So this is... Um, <sighs> This is tricky because for some of you micromanaging control freaks, you'll resonate with this. There are certain things that you like to watch, right? Certain people you like to watch. You got like apps set up on how long people are on your profile and just like crazy stuff. You're like, well, I need to know and I want to check this. And you don't allow anything out of your sight and you try to watch every little nick and cranny. And is that how the phrase goes? I don't know. But anyway, you're trying to watch everything, and you're trying to build everything. And so when, when you watch everything, it doesn't allow God to enter the spaces that you can't see, that you can't see, or that you can't build. So when I'm holding onto something and I'm trying to build it, and you, you already know this, guess who's better at building than you are? 
capital G. He, so when, when you cope with weakness, you're able to look at a situation and say this, I'm going to step back. I'm just going to let God do his thing. Instead of trying to go and gossip and manipulate and control and try to figure out how I can gain uh, status in this thing, I'm just, I'm just going to step back. I'm done coping with what I can do and I'm going to let God build. And here is the only way you know you are certain that God is building and you are not. When God is building, anxiety will turn to trust. And success will turn to faithfulness. It says in Proverbs 3.3, 3, that let, the one, or let not the one depart from steadfast love and faithfulness. So when you have the ability, when you have the ability to cope with weakness, you're no longer just freaking out about all the things you can't control, and you're able to say, God is going to have to handle this. I'm tired of trying to bust doors down. It's just too, it's too exhausting. I just can't. I'm tired of trying to control this. I can't. I'm tired of trying to, and it's going to connect in verse 2. I'm try, tired of trying to stay awake in vain because when I stay awake and try to do more, nothing succeeds. And then at the, at the end of it, guess what you have to say? You'll say, well, guess what God did? But in the back of your mind, you know you manipulated the whole thing. Guess what? Oh, I can't believe that she said this, and I can't believe that this was a prayer request, and I can't believe their sin got found out. Oh my gosh, look what God did. No, you just went and ran your mouth and made that happen. No, you busted down a door. No, you, right? You're not able to have the peace and say, man, look what God did. Look what God built. Built. Look what he, look how he stayed awake and watched. And it's Ecclesiastes, I think it's one, two to three. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? So the question ultimately is, are you working or is God working? Are you watching or is God watching? And why not? Why not just let God build, build a life through you? Why not him watch every detail through you? Why not him, why not be able to cope and say, with this weakness, I'm going to let God build. And the higher you get up on the ladder through these psalms, one of the best things about uh, going up in airplanes, one of the best things about getting higher is you have a better perspective. You just see more clearly. You're able to, to see, oh, that's what they're doing. Oh, that's what God is doing. Oh, that's how his word speaks to this. Because when you're down on the ground, you get stuck in the weeds. And all you do is see smoke coming up and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to run. I have to fix this. But the closer you get to God, the better view you have. Oh, God is God. I am not. He's got this thing figured out. I don't want to get to my life and say, meaningless, all was meaningless. I want to let God build. Number two, when you cope with weakness, you can rest. You can rest. Raise your hand if you struggle with rest. I'm not looking. Raise your hand. Awesome. That was all of you, I think. I don't know. Uh, it is in vain 
that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. I'm going to take a drink of water. Some of you remember this from Ecclesiastes. I'm going to take a drink of water, then I'm going to read it again. Because it's that important. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. So, how many of you struggle with sleep? Just raise your hand. Okay. Yeah, my hand's up. Um, When you don't get sleep, what happens? You just get cranky. How many of you get like super annoyed at everything? Just on a relational level. Yeah, me too. Um, and, and they would even say, and I'm not like big psychologist guy, but they would say, you know, years ago they slept like, I don't know, 18 hours a night, and now we're sleeping like two. I don't know. It's, I'm exaggerating. Uh, no, they, they would say eight to nine was typical 100 years ago, and today it's like five to six, which they believe is a piece to why our generation is marked, marked, by anxiety and depression. They would say that's one of the top, top tiers. I think there's a lot to that in spiritual things. So what I will say is this. This, um, I knew I was going to teach on this, which was a problem. It's always a problem when God just is like bringing stuff up. And um, recently, just have, have not been able to rest. Just not been able, just sleep. There's random things going on. There's things I feel like I'm trying to push or I'm trying to make sure this happens. My problem is when I get a list of things I have to do, whether that list is two or 200, I can't sleep until that list is done. Any type A'ers out there with me? Amen, okay, you can't sleep with me. So anyway, just can't sleep. Happened Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night was great. Hoping I had a date night, it was awesome. I was doing great. I remember it was awesome until like 9.15. 9.15, it registered, oh no, I'm that kind of tired. And then I got super annoyed. And for those of you who know me, I am naturally scatterbrained, right? It's just, it's, it's a problem, right? The, the pinball thing is the deal. When I'm tired, times that by like three or four, okay? So can't, can't hold a conversation, um, can't really pay attention, times that, trying to engage in a conversation, again, not hearing what's being said, and literally, literally had like a five to seven minute, felt like a panic attack. Literally, it was like 11 o'clock at night and I just snapped. It was insane. I was like, oh my gosh, what, I mean, just hyperventilating, it was the weirdest thing that had ever happened to me. Hope's like trying to calm me down and I'm like, oh my gosh, and this and this deep sin issue. I fell asleep in like three minutes. (laughs) You think I'm kidding? (laughs) I woke up. I think I slept eight hours straight. I woke up and I'm like, oh, praise the name of, I mean, literally, it was like, I'm like Jesus and me walking around. I'm like, have you ever seen this verse? And Hope's like looking at me like, you cray cray. And it was, it was just one of those things. And I, I told her that morning I came out my quiet time. I was like, I said, I've known this, but look, it's if, if I try to build my life, I'm anxious. I can't sleep. I can't rest. Um, it, it builds into spiritual things when I, when, when you don't get the sleep that is required that, He gives his beloved sleep. And remember in Psalm 121, he does not sleep nor slumber. 
So when you need a nap, how many of you nap people out there? Just raise that hand. Yeah, okay, I like this. Okay, older people like uh, boomers, they're like, oh, naps are for sissies, right? Millennials were like, we need one, dog. We need a nap. <laughs> uh, you nap, and when you nap or when you go to bed, guess what God does? Psalm 121, 5 and 6. He watches you. So now he's the watchman. When you can rest, you can sleep, it's a gift from God, and when you are able to rest, you're able to say, I don't need to control everything. It's in Proverbs 21, 30 to 31. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. A pastor said this, and it was probably one of the best advices I had heard in a while. He said, Mike, you work your tail off, and then you take a nap, and you trust God with the results. I am not promoting that a lot of you just become really lazy and bums and sleep until 1 p.m. Ever would I say that, unless you're working the night shift, I totally get it, and that's like a different thing. But what I'm saying is this, some of you can't sleep simply because you don't work hard. I think that's a real thing. I think that you don't work hard, that you're kind of lazy, you're playing video games 12 hours, you're watching movies, you're going Netflix, you're hanging out with friends, and then you're like, man, I just, I'm like insomnia, man, I can't sleep. Get a job, work, and, and, and seriously, that, that's like a legit thing. Work is a gift from God. And here's what I would also say. If you can't sleep, it might be because you're a control freak and you're not able to trust God. You're not able to say, okay, God, I'm trusting you with the results. I'm going to work as hard as I can, but I'm going to let you build. When you cope with weakness, you can rest. Number three, when you cope with weakness, and this is so hard to apply, but it's going to be fun. You invest with who God gives you. Behold, what's the underlying word say? Ah, children. No one in here has kids but me. Am I wrong? Is there anyone else that I didn't mean that has kids? Okay, all right, perfect. Uh, some of you guys are like, oh, you're waiting for someone to raise their hand. Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Of the, of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children's of one, or children of one's youth. So here's what he is saying, and it's from a parent perspective. He is saying, when you cope, with weakness, you invest with who God gives you. Because a lot of times, some of you, sadly, have experienced parents, they didn't invest into you, God forbid, they didn't help you, they didn't pour into you, they were busy building a career and not a legacy at home. So then you, what did it do? It left a, it left a wound, a father wound, a mother wound, and it left a wound there to where you would say, it wasn't as a blessing from the Lord. It wasn't as a gift from God. And really, they weren't investing with who God has given them. And I want to be, just make sure I say this offhanded. Some of you in here, when you bring up kids, there's like four different camps. There's one where you're like, I hate kids. I'll never have them. Uh, they're annoying, and that's not me. There's some of you in here. Or some of you, you're like, that's like the first thing on your list. Like when you meet someone, you're like, I want to have nine kids. You know, and then you scare them away or whatever. And so, uh, and then, sad, and, I, and I do say this with all sincerity, and this is sad. Some of you won't be able to have kids. Some of you won't have the opportunity to have kids. And what he is not saying and how you apply it, we're not going to go way left field or right field. We're going to stay right in the verse. 
Children are a heritage from the Lord, and he's speaking for parents, invest with who you have, because when you invest with who you have, they will in the future, in turn, help you. They'll give back to you. They'll be like arrow shoots, in a sense. And here's what he, in, in 1 Timothy 5, it talks about, and this is going to scare some of you, but really it is the children's responsibility, once your parents are unable to care for themselves, that you would care for them. Yeah, think about that. That's, what's that mean? Well, we ain't going to talk about, yeah. Uh, some of you, you you'll, have to, you'll have to care for them. And really, the kicker is this, and what this is, and, and wh- how I think this applies to all of us here. <sighs> there are so many times you look at where God has you with what God has for you and in front of you, and you don't want who God has brought into your life. So you'll resent that person or that difficult relationship, and you'll want to bypass it and pray that God would send someone else. When ultimately, the people God has in front of you, I believe, when it's in biblical community, is there to sharpen you, to stretch you, to grow you. That's really really what this, this verse is, is throwing at. You invest with who God gives you. Because when you, are, when you get closer with people, they just become more and more annoying. We can't tell the truth. I have to lie. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you guys. Okay, people are the best and they'll never let you down. Um, no, the closer you get to someone, guess what happens? The more weaknesses are revealed. The more you'll see their faults, they'll see your faults, and what you'll have to decide is this. Do I invest here and be sharpened and stretched and grow and become a better follower of Christ? Or do I bail, find some different friends that don't really challenge me and all believe the same thing and all grew up in the same household and all went to uh, Christian school and all believe this and all follow this, right? So you can do that, but it's not, it's not going to invest back into you and make you a better Jesus follower. It just doesn't. It just, it typically, typically makes you a more prideful one because you get around people who disagree everything you say and when you say it. So when you're around and you invest in who God has to you, it exposes weaknesses. The last one tonight, number four, when you cope with weakness, others are able to fight with you. Um, it says, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. We'll talk about this. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Raise your hand if you know what a quiver is. Yes. Ah, shoot. I brought one. I was hoping nobody would. So anyway, um, I brought, I didn't bring this. Luke brought this for me. So anyway, he, when he gives the analogy of a quiver, a quiver simply holds arrows. Okay, that's all it is. And the analogy it's giving is that, I'm not going to shoot this. So just relax. Guys, <laughs> like this. So what it's saying is, shoot it, shoot it, shoot um, What it's saying is, I'll hold it this way, sorry. Uh, happy is the man who fills his quiver with them, Children, as a heritage from the Lord, look, he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. No matter who you are, I don't care how spiritual you are, I don't care how long you've been going to church, I don't care how your family grew up with you, you will have enemies. It's just a fact. You're going to have them. And when you invest in the right relationships, in the right people, 
when you face enemies, you have people or arrows that will fight for you. So when you go into battle, which is happening tomorrow morning when you wake up, yeah, buckle up. So when you go in and you get in a battle, a lot of you, this is what happens. Life's going to hit you right in the face. Something's going to happen. You're not going to have someone there to fight for you. You're not going to have any arrows in the quiver. You're not going to have anyone to pull from. And you'll say, man, church people are just whack. None of them care about anybody. Nah, they don't, I don't know the church is this, and they're hypocrites, and nobody did this, and nobody reached out to me. And then the question always back is, well, have, have you invested into anyone so they can fight for you? Have you fought for anyone so that they can fight for you? Has, has there, and, and from a, again, it is a family passage, a family verse. When you, if you want to build a legacy that you have children and a family who will fight for you, that starts today. It does not start on wedding day. It doesn't start the moment you have a child, even though that will mess you up tremendously. I mean, wow. I mean, incredibly mess you. I mean, just, you don't even know what, I mean, it just blows your mind. Have you ever felt like just you had no idea what you were doing until you have a child and you're like, God help me, right? And then you have to say, okay, I have to, I have to behold, the children are heritage, the people God has given to me, I'm gonna invest into this. Because here is the, the story, I'll, I'll finish with this story and then I'm gonna jump to, to Matthew 7. It was uh, the man who first climbed Mount Everest was George Mallory, was his name. And uh, they asked him the question, why do you wanna climb Mount Everest? And his quote was, because it's there. Because it's there. Aren't there hills you want to climb? I got a few. Aren't there things you want to build? Aren't there things you want to accomplish? Psalm 121.1, what's it say? I lift up my eyes to the hills. When you see a hill, you might say, I can climb this. I got this. Shoot, man, I've climbed. Look at them hills I've climbed. Look how fast I've done this. Look how much I've done. You'll look at a hill and you'll say, I've got this. But the verse goes on to say, where does my help come from? And it doesn't reveal insignificance or reveal, God, I need you. And then in verse 2, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. George Mallory, after he passed his son, they asked him the question, tell us about your dad just because it fits well with the passage and this will sting for some of you and I'm sorry if it does it's not intentional it's just the illustration he says his name was John he said I would have rather known my father than to live with a man as a legend or as most people perceived him to be just had to climb a hill, had a hill to climb, had a life to build, had his own legacy and name to leave, besides building into his heritage or his quiver or his arrows or his son that God had given to him. And he's not a follower of Christ to my knowledge, but from that aspect, he's gone and passed. And what reputation would you rather have or would I rather have? 
man, he just could climb stuff, man. Man, she, should, she could get stuff done. She could accomplish things. And then son or daughter says, yeah, I would have rather have known them than to live with someone that they perceived to be a legend. And he was no legend to me. As we end tonight, coping with weakness is really what I hope you take home. That you cope not with your strength, but with your weakness. Psalm 127, that you look at your life, what you're building, what you're watching, you, even going to sleep in the life you're building, and you would say, I have to cope with weakness. And we'll end with Jesus' words. It says this in Matthew 7. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, he will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. Everyone's building. Everyone's building something. Everyone's laying on a foundation. The question is, what foundation are you going to lay on? The gospel connection we have for tonight is Jesus in his weakest moment while he is on the cross. It says in John 19, they're dividing his garments among them. They're casting these lots for his clothing. As he sits, just beaten and mocked on a cross. I mean, people are spitting at him. They're getting ready to jab the sword or the, the, uh, the spear in his side. As that is happening, it says, his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the, the wife of Clopas, and the disciple whom Jesus loved is standing there. He's got three. In his weakest moment, I mean, if there's any climax in the Bible, it's that. And he has three standing there. And he looks at John. And he said, John, behold your mother. And he looked at his mother and he said, Mother, behold your son. Because in Jesus' weakest moment, as he is coping with his weakness, he is still looking out for the care and welfare of his mother, who would be mocked, who would have no care for her. People would literally put her out of the city. He looks at a disciple who was there, and he says, take care of her. Would you take care of my mom? Because in his weakest moments, he still cares for you. Let me pray tonight. Lord, we thank you for Psalm 127. We thank you, how, thank you for how it speaks to us. Um, we thank you for <clears throat> the reality that you have it all together and we do not. We thank you that we can cope with weakness. And Lord, I pray there's one thing tonight that everyone can take home. Just one thing. Maybe it's about building, maybe it's about watching, maybe some of us in here tonight, they just need a good night's sleep. God, I pray that you would give them that tonight, that you would help us rest in what you are building in our life. God, there's some of us in here 
that myself included, we're just so tempted to maybe build things for you instead of building into the people you have for us. God, would you help all of us not get so busy building a life for ourselves or watching over our life or building things for our own name, God, that we would neglect the very most important things you've called us to. Lord, we thank you that you teach us how to cope in a biblical and healthy way. We thank you for the example you set, that we would walk in the same manner as you did. Lord, we thank you for this evening. I pray that you would help all of us to walk closer with Jesus tonight. We pray this in your name. Amen.